0: Today's episode of the Fast Brackets Podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing. Yeah. Welcome to the Fast Brackets podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. Today is episode number 96. It is the third week of April. And here's what's happened. We've got a lot of new listeners, uh, especially lately. We've got a lot of new listeners. The show continues to grow. But I, here's a warning. Uh, this show has a little different feel to it. It takes about three episodes to get the rhythm down. So if you are new to the show, if this is the first time you're listening, give it three episodes. Then you'll be hooked. Um, it takes a little bit. You understand the rhythm, how we work here. Uh, but then once you're hooked, fast brackets, nation gets better. A lot better, actually. So uh, that uh, that's what's going down. The show is growing and it's great. But you've got to give it a couple episodes to take. Once it takes, man, then uh, we are off and rolling. And that is good for all of us. Um, Guys, girls, there's a lot of action going on in the world today. Uh, First off, this week, a federal judge in Florida pulled her best, Samuel L. Jackson, and said, I am tired of these MFing masks on this MFing plane, which is good, I think, um, except I didn't like people coughing on me before, and I probably won't like them coughing on me in the future. So if we can keep that to a minimum, that would be good. Otherwise, I hope all the kids are, are happy to take their masks off. And man, I it certainly will make flying uh, a little more pleasurable. Um, man, what's not pleasurable is the inflation. Uh, Fed came out with that report, 8.5%. That is garbage. I'm here to tell you that. It is much, much more. And if you're buying anything and you look back at what you bought the same time last year, you know it's a lot more than 8.5%. And I told you, long-time listeners of the show know this. I told you this last year. I said, inflation is coming. There's no way to avoid it. You cannot put the money printer on like the Fed did without having inflation come at you hard and heavy. It did I told you last year, I said, hey, if you want to buy a new race car, if you want new parts, if you want to do whatever it is to your racing operation or your rig, you better do it now. Otherwise, it's going to cost you. And that's what it did. It's costing us now. And I'm here to tell you they have not stopped printing money and they're probably going to get us into a war and they're probably going to have similar inflation numbers this time next year. So uh, my advice is the same. If you want new parts, if you want a new rig, if you want a new race car, now is the time where it's going to cost you another 20% more this time next year. Not great for all of us, but uh, it is what it is, and uh, we'll all figure it out. But uh, man, not fun when they they print money like uh, drunken sailors out there at the Fed. But uh, you know what was funny? Elon Musk buying Twitter. And I, I will tell you this. I thought I disliked this guy Uh, at first for trying to turn all our hot rods into just rods, I guess. But now he's turning the tables, and I kind of like this dude now. Plus, it looked like at first he paid $4 billion for 9% share of Twitter just so he could get his ex-wife suspended from it. I mean, dude, that is harsh, bro, Um, and a little bit bitter, I think. Um, but I thought, man, that's, that's a a long way to go just to get your ex-wife suspended from Twitter. But, uh, turns out he's trying to, um, maybe do something a little bigger than that. And now I'm kind of on board with him. And I will tell you, uh, who I'm also on board with are, our two great guests we had today. They are both fantastic, great dudes. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with both and I think you will as well, first off, Mo Trujillo, he is a standout top dragster driver in both Division 6 and Division 7 and an all-around great dude. And then Tommy Franklin, the owner of the PDRA and a two-time Pro Nitrous World Champ comes on to talk that world and um, man, both of those conversations were fantastic. So get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop work on that old heap but get your helmet on and metaphorically speaking get strapped in because here we go all right let's make a pass let's get them hot let's put this thing in the water box and talk about two really nice things at least in my opinion that happened here recently all coming from the Association and Division 5. A um, couple really nice things. First of all, the NHRA Division 5 announced that they would go to 32 car fields this season. Really nice addition. We've talked about this before on the show. About how some of the divisions are have 48 car fields. And how that skews things when it comes to points earnings and things of that nature. Standardization is key, especially when you're competing for a national championship. So, when it comes to this, this is a good thing having a 32 car field. Now, you can make the argument now that there um, maybe won't be 32 car fields, and you know that's a whole different discussion in and of itself. That said, going to a standard 32 car field. We can only hope this increases and goes to other divisions. Um, Part of it is maybe not qualifying. That's part of this class or these classes and needs to be part of the excitement again. I mean, I think that if you talk to the older guys that have been doing this a while, that's initially what drew them in. And we'll talk a little bit later uh, with Wayne Landry and we'll talk about his desire and uh, what motivated him a little bit. But the whole point of all this is that standardization is good, especially when we're talking about competing for national championships. So let's hope this permeates to other divisions, but I think that is a great move in D5. Also, uh, similarly, when it comes to standardization, so what they've said is um, another announcement said the first three pairs out are gonna be the slowest cars. So for instance, given the fact that we are on a sportsman ladder, if we're gonna take the uh, 16th qualifier and run it against the 32nd qualifier, those are I would start, yes, um, that would be, they would be the first pair out. So the 32nd qualified car would be the first pair out. Then the 31st qualified pair would be the second car out. And that just allows us to you know, get the show moving a little bit. And then also, and also if there's a little bit of track uh prep necessity then we get it figured out with uh some of the slower cars and not the fastest car on the property when it comes to our classes. So I think that's those are two really strong moves. Minor minor I mean not huge didn't make big publication um you know uh media uh, releases and things like that. And and one thing I will say is I'm not so sure why they're so secretive about the explanations behind these changes. But the releases, you know, in general, are pretty spartan when it comes to that. That said, it is good stuff on both fronts. And I think both make our classes better. So, nicely done NHRA and specifically D5 out there in making the classes better. (laughs) All right, let's put episode number 96 into the beams, presented by AFCO Racing Products. On with us now. He is your Division 6 Top Dragster and Top Sportsman rep. He is your 2022 Winter Nationals Top Dragster Champion. He won the Division 7 Top Dragster Championship in 2014 from Happy Valley, Oregon, Oregon. Mo Trujillo, Mo, how are you today, my man?
1: Doing good, Rex. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, I'm I'm glad you could make it. Um, you started the season off uh, with a bang. You got that win, um, and you you mentioned to me off the air um, what a big win it was for you for a, for a special reason. Would you Would you mind uh, filling our listeners in on why that was so special to you?
1: Well, it was it was more or less a an emotional win, seeing how I'd lost my uh, father back in uh, October, and uh, I kind of felt like he was riding along with me, and uh, I was happy to win it for him. I think he had a hand on me and was looking down on me, and he helped me get there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 always uh, big, right? When um, when you feel like you can do something for someone, maybe who's who's done uh, so much for you, uh, uh, maybe take us back. How was he instrumental in how getting you into the sport?
1: Yeah, growing up, my dad ran stock cars um, most of my life as a as a young man, and uh, so I was around uh, a lot of race car stuff being a kid. So obviously, I kind of followed suit. I didn't didn't do the roundy round stuff like he did. Um, I just got into the drag racing. But uh, yeah, he definitely was instrumental inter, in that, and me being in the automotive field, and uh, I followed in his footsteps. I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, I th- I always feel like. Um... You know, anybody who was into stock cars or whatever, they, they spent a lot of time repairing uh, their stuff that maybe they didn't even damage. Was that uh, was that your dad? Was he uh, fixing the cars that maybe people were running into him all the time?
1: Yeah, it was pretty much every night during the week just so they could go take them out on a Friday or Saturday and beat them all up and start all over again. I think that's probably why that was my deterrent not to do that. <laughs> I've seen how much work they were doing on it, straightening fenders or doing suspension work or whatnot. And, uh yeah, I just, it, they enjoyed the sport. I enjoyed going out there and watching it as a kid, but uh, it looked like a lot of work to me.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, so when when was the first time you went down a drag strip and how did all that shake down?
1: Uh, I would say the first time I we went down a drag strip was uh, when I was still in high school. We had a, a Benson Tech, uh, like a Polytech class, uh, high school out here that would always put on high school drags back when I was in high school, and automotive classes were pretty prevalent then. And uh so all the schools would compete with each other, and, and so that, that kind of set the hook for me at an early age. And uh, then, obviously, getting married and having family and kids, we put everything on hold for about a 10- or 15-year hiatus and then uh, got right back into, into racing once the kids got old enough.
0: So what did when you said, okay, uh, we got the kids kind of squared away and it's time to go back racing what did you start with was it uh right to the dragster or what what did you start with that first time I,
1: i i was smart enough that when i sold most of the stuff i kept the engine and so we started off with a street car and uh put the engine in a street car and then just kind of started racing that from there and the street car progressed quicker and quicker to where we ran it in super street and then kind of moved on that was a, a 72 chevelle that we put it in and and then we moved into a 67 chevelle back in 1993 that's actually sitting right here in the shop in front of me still almost 30 years later i still have the car i like um, it and then it, from that chevelle we moved into a, a dragster in, in about 98 and we've been in dragsters pretty much ever since then
0: and did, did you go um as quickly as you could to the top dragster world
1: um no we did super comp for quite a few years we'll, we'll start off in the in the local bracket stuff doing the super pro won a couple track championships uh woodburn and and at pir here in portland uh, then we moved on from that and like i said into the super comp stuff and then then when we started with the top comp stuff out here before it got split that's kind of where everything took off and i just enjoyed trying to make the car go quicker and quicker and uh then we went into top dragster after that
0: yeah and uh obviously you won the the division seven championship in 2014 so you've been doing it um at a high level for a long time um walk us through your combination now because uh it, obviously it's been good to you
1: well we, we're we're on a a new combination now a new all-aluminum 632 um it is set up with nitrous although i I haven't ran it much on the nitrous. We took last year and pretty much ran it all-aluminum 644 with no nitrous. And so this year we started off at Pomona just running it on the motor, Phoenix on the motor. Um, eventually I'll start spraying it and speed it back up. And it's a little bit different being on the slow end of the qualifying. Normally I, on an average I'm about a 650, 660, have been as quick as 630 in the dragster. But uh, right now, we, like Pomona, we were 7.0s uh phoenix we're pretty much 698 to 70 something but I'm, I'm excited to get out and spray it and see what it'll actually do
0: yeah well yeah and um, if you don't have to spray it i suppose you, you don't necessarily uh want to every single time out uh, but uh um, have you ever really let it rip and and uh try to get it in the bottom of the ladder or what what's the what's maybe not the... on
1: this particular engine we there for a while like probably four years back uh, I had a 618 in there, which which I have here at the shop, and, and that one, like I said, we, we turned on two kits, got it down into the 630s, had this dream of maybe going to Indy for the first dragster race, but uh, I know what I know, and I know <laughs> where where the car wasn't going to go, and my intentions was to, to go there and try, and I told the wife, you know, if we go there, I'm going to lean on it. We might run in the 20s, but we'll probably end up buying another engine for the weekend is <laughs> over, so we opted out. Made the right choice flew back there, ended up being a rainy weekend and and uh I don't think they even they got to top their shirt until Monday, and we end up having to fly home by the sure. uh, yeah
0: well yeah they, it, man, India is getting to be just a murderer's row at this point, I mean, if you can't run in the teens, um you know you just better be prepared to be on the outside looking yeah i
1: way. I think I think that particular event, it ended up like a 623, and I think it was at a 21. And they threw out I think Kenny's run, and it went back to like a 623. And it's like, I knew that I, I didn't have that in the car, and if if I tried to get there, I'd be buying another engine. So after that, we kind of just slowed the car back down. And figured, you know, we don't need to go fast, especially out here on the West Coast. Um, I know there's a lot of controversy over that, whether you know people call you oh you're running a super comp car or whatever, <laughs> but uh, you know it's. Like Pomona, it's like I didn't need the spray to qualify. It's like, well, why do it? Why put the extra wear and tear and, and spend the additional money for, for no reason? Sure. So we just run, run what we need to to qualify. And, you know, I, I'd helped a friend of mine, Paul Nero, for several years and kind of rode with him when he won the national championship, and we did pretty much the same deal with his. If we need to spray it, we sprayed it, and if not, he ran it on motor. And I think that was a smart way to go.
0: Yeah, no no question. And you can't argue with the results uh, that uh, you or were- Paul have had. But, uh, speaking of that, now you, I I didn't uh, plan on going this route, but you brought it up Mo, So I'm, I'm uh, blaming you, but you are the division six, uh, top sportsman and top dragster, um, rep uh, for the class. And so, you know, there, there has been this controversy about, um, you know, is it medium dragster, so to speak, as opposed (laughs) to, um, top dragster, where do you fall on that issue? And, um, you know, you have any insights that, uh, you know, have just been accumulated for all the different uh, people giving you opinions?
1: Well, you know, I see both sides of the coin. A lot of the guys that, that are running down, you know, the 610 range, um, several of them don't like to run the slower cars. They think it's a disadvantage to them, but it was their choice in my mind to run the 610, you know, and, and as, as far as the seven oh cars or somewhere in that range, if – You qualify and your car passes cert, in my mind, you got an advanced ET on it and you qualify, you're a top dragster. Them calling them super comps or whatever, it's, you know, they're trying to throw an insult out there, but it's, hey, it's advanced ET cert, so it's a top dragster, you know, and he qualifies for the class, it fits the criteria, you're a top dragster, but.
0: Right, yeah, no, that's, that's
1: kind of where we're at on that, you know, and, the, and a lot of the guys there, they want to lower the bump spot, and unfortunately over here in D- Division 6, we don't have enough six-second cars, I think if we tried to drop it that low, it would end up hurting our class, um, on average, the last couple of years, we've only had eight eight cars or so that ran in the six-second range, the majority of the cars seem to be in the sevens to 750 range. So we're, we're just kind of, we're, we're limited here. We don't have as many tracks like back east, so we don't have as many fast cars or, you know, as many competitors like what they have back east.
0: Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, and I will say this, um, you know, there, there's this, it's not chicken, it's it's back and forth, right? You want a lot of cars, so you don't want to restrict that, um, you know, and I think that's the reason for a lot of times going to the 48 car field. But um, then, then we get the complaints that they're not fast enough. And, the, and that, that's a, a little bit of a back and forth, wouldn't you say?
1: Yes, yes, exactly. You know, and, and I, I think at the 32 car, which I, in my mind, I think we should be 32 in line with all the other divisions, um and i think that would kind of help take care of the bump a little more per se just with less cars i think we'd be closer um here even last last couple weekends here in, in vegas we were a, a 682 or 686 bump you know at, at 48 cars so at the 32 car spot i'd have to go back and look but it would have been you know at least respectable bump spot sure um, it's not going to match division 3 or any of those back there but it's still respectable for out here so
0: well, I think it, you know. I, I always have to put this in in perspective. You know, if you're in Division Three, uh, you don't have to put quite as many dollars in the fuel pump. Uh, you know, like at, at the pump, and so you can put those into your motor program or whatever it might be. But the the cost of just traveling to all the events in Division Six and Division Seven is, is staggering right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, like we talked, you know, off. off off the air there um most of my races if i head to, to from my house to vegas or from my house to pomona it you're talking 1100 miles on on to phoenix it's like a 1400 miles you know i i, I put more in the diesel tank than i do for race fuel and uh, you got to factor that into the cost of racing so that definitely comes into play yeah
0: um but but like we said um the vegas this last division had, I mean, what sixty some plus cars? I believe
1: it was sixty four cars. Yeah,
0: that's that's awesome. And it's amazing, and I'm guessing a little bit had that bump of the fling, right?
1: Correct. I think we brought in more just because of the fling being the following week, and there was a lot of guys that normally wouldn't be there from out of out of the states.
0: Right. Um, that said, that is that is awesome racing when there's you know forty eight cars qualified and and off we go you're we should tell the listeners you're kind of a one-man shop right and you're uh tell listeners what you do and why you why you've got to answer the phone and uh and wrench
1: (laughs) well i am a I am a one man auto repair shop and uh people that follow me on facebook they they give me a bad time because i do a lot of engine (laughs) engine swaps for other shops in the area they'll send me all that stuff because they don't like doing it um i guess i'm dumb enough in the head that i i take it on and uh i put in a lot of long hours when i'm here it's not unusual for me to get out of here at nine o'clock at night um the weekend before i left to head south to to vegas i literally came in on a saturday sunday did an engine swap for a customer because he was in a rental car and i felt bad for him and uh came back here nine o'clock at night monday night after getting home and and pulled an engine out of a car that i'd sold to a guy that had to have it for woodburn that weekend and it's just it's what you have to do when you're a one man shop and it's the price i pay for the time i take off
0: so right yeah um and and why you got to answer the phone right um you got (laughs) to answer the phone as well (laughs) um well all right uh we just got back from vegas uh talk to us a little bit about um what the the rest of your season is like and what type of goals you have for this year
1: well, we were we were doing okay after the first couple of division or national races. Uh, my divisional outing has been far from spectacular. I mean, we all of a sudden fighting gremlins on the car. So after the doubleheader in Phoenix and Vegas, I'm I'm reevaluating. We were going to leave stuff at Boise on the way home, but I think I'm going to cancel that. Um, with the loss of my father, I have to spend more time now with my mother and. Uh, we're trying to move her out of her house and probably in with us. So I think the racing might take a little bit of a back step for a little while. We'll see. And then, uh, Hopefully we start back up and get to go to the Woodburn Divisional and then probably Sonoma National and Seattle National and then reevaluate again after that.
0: Yeah, I, you, you say things like, um, and I don't mean to harp on this, but you say things like, oh, we're just going to drop the, the rig off in Boise. And uh, in my mind, that's like 12 hours out of the way. Is that is that <laughs> probably right? Well,
1: I no, I, 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 for me, when I leave Las Vegas, I come up through, I go north and, and I come through Idaho. Um, so it's on the way home. And it's and it's better than having to backtrack all the way back. So we would just probably on the way home drop the trailer, come home in the truck, and then it's it, from from my house to Boise is about six and a half, seven hour drive to go back to that race.
0: I got you. Okay, just an easy six or seven. I got you. Okay. Well,
1: that's that's better.
0: That's better. <laughs> that's yeah.
1: better. Um, I can tell you, Rex. I. Uh, the, the 644 engine I ran last year I, I saw it listed on a Friday and I told called the wife said tomorrow morning if we're not doing anything we're going to Boise and we got up in the morning drove <laughs> to Boise picked up the motor we left here at, at nine o'clock went to Boise grabbed the motor and I was back home on the couch at 830 that night so we made extremely good time
0: it sounds <laughs> like it yeah um yeah you're so uh, I
1: guess I'm a driver
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's good that's good yeah. well speaking of driver you you know we we mentioned you're the rep for both top dragster and top Sportsman. Uh, any plans to run a top sportsman car at, at any in time in the future, or have you done that in the past and those days are done?
1: No, I haven't. I haven't. I, I, like I said, I still have this Chevelle here, and I'm in the process of putting a bigger motor in it. It'll never be a top sportsman car. Um, my fear is it'll probably run down in the eighth. I don't know how well the car's going to handle it, but uh, that'll be about as close as I'm going to get in a door car, you know, for right now. Um, I, I have no way of hauling it hauling them and i'm not i'm not ready to buy a new trailer and get a stacker or anything so we'll we'll stick with the dragster for right now
0: i i understand i understand well um mo um thanks for coming on congrats on your early win at the winter nationals this year uh thank you for all you do in terms of uh repping our guys and in both classes out in d6 land and um you know uh we're rooting for you come back on after uh after you get another one huh
1: Okay, that sounds good, Rex, and thanks for having me on there.
0: Yeah, guys, girls, that is uh, one of the all-time good dudes, uh, Mo Trujillo. (laughs) Today's Half Track Report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. For all your high-horsepower legal needs... Hit up DragRaceLawyer.com. Ed Harney is your guy. He's one of us. He gets what we do. And he is on your side. Do not hesitate. Go on the keyboard. Hit DragRaceLawyer.com and Ed will be there for you. Now listen, normally in this section, today's a little bit different. It's a little bit different today. I normally, I bring you all the action that has happened on the track. The winners, the guys and girls who were oh so close, and those who had days to remember. Getting it done, hoisting that trophy. But today... I need to take a step back from that action because Rick Stewart, longtime starter for the NHRA and maybe the only man who makes a straw hat look cool, passed away. So, uh, RIP to Rick Stewart. He was the NHRA starter for 15 years, inducted into the international drag racing hall of fame. And, um, Man, it got me thinking about all the other guys and girls who all summer long work either the starting line or the water box or the ticket booth or call the show. Uh, Bob a long-time caller in Division Three and others, is battling right now. All those men and women who work those long hours in the heat To make sure that our passions can become a reality. Um, And I thought for one time we need to give them a little credit. Essentially in this time when we usually talk about people who got it done. If it wasn't for these people, we, we wouldn't have the opportunity to do what we do. And I know, I get it, I get it. They get a paycheck and you, know, you could say, Rex, that's what the paycheck is for. I get all that, but come on, man. Uh, the people out there on the line, when it's 90 degrees on that concrete, the track temp gets 110, 120 degrees. They do it because they love it just like we do. If it wasn't for them, then we wouldn't get to do what we do and man. It is, um, it's a lot of work. It is early mornings. It's late nights and not a lot of breaks in between. And it's their weekend too. And man, uh, we as competitors sometimes take our frustrations about what we did behind the wheel out on them. I mean, uh, I think we've all done it. We've, uh, you know, all had... Um, you know, times we wish we had back and we want we you know we want it to be a competitive environment. so it's same for everybody or at least somebody else doesn't have an advantage and probably we've said stuff we wouldn't, you know, we'd like to take back. But all the people, the starters, the people on the in the water box and the took t- ticket booth and and behind the mic, man, give them credit man. let's uh, let's just take a quick moment to reflect and and uh, you know maybe take a time out of our day the next time we're tracked to just go thank them. And I know a lot of us do. A lot of us do you know give them a water bottle or whatever it might be. Uh, but man, there's a lot of people that go into the sport and not everybody is doing it behind the wheel. So let's take a minute just to, first of all to reflect on the greatness that was Rick Stewart. Uh, but also let's give some credit to those um you know while they're living this season to those that are doing it now uh, so that we can do what we do ultimately showing respect to those that continue making sure we're able to get down the track is the best way to show respect for rick um, also he wouldn't want us to do any burndowns just saying <laughs> whoa let's get out of the groove for just one minute here and bring on our guest he is the owner of the pdra he is also back to back pdra pro nitrous world champion please welcome to the show tommy franklin tommy how are you
2: today i'm doing good
0: i know you are busy this time of year and you've got the whole whole crew um, moving with that team. Uh, tell us a little about what's going on with you right now in terms of your racing operation.
2: Uh, racing wise, I tell you, it's crazy. You know, we just kicked off our last of, or our, our first event of the year uh, last two weeks ago at uh, Galat Motorsports Park. Great car count, great uh, great event. Just uh, you know, a little bit chilly weather, but. Nobody, uh, didn't stop anyone from showing up. So you had a great car count and just a really great event. And from my, my racing side of it, uh, cars fast, we're good. We got a lot of good competition in pro nitrous, but, um, I didn't uh, bring home the trophy, but Hey, there's more races for that. So we're going to keep hitting at it.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, and you've done that before you've, you've won the world championship in that, but, uh, talk to us about how you got started in racing. I mean, was your goal ever to win the win the pro nitrous world championship or was it uh, a little smaller scale than that originally?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, everybody loves the, you know, to win championships and to win and, uh, not sure what, what to expect, but we just, you know, as we got into racing, you know, I started, uh, man, when I was 13, 14 years old, my uh, dad bracket raced at a local racetrack, old dominion speedway in Manassas, Virginia, and just, uh, grew up there every weekend racing. And, um, you know, then I started driving and just kind of came from the foot brake days to top bulb days, to top sportsman and, uh, ran a little bit of mountain motor pro stock and then got into pro nitrous. And that's where, uh, you know, it was finished. I think I finished second, like three times. And I won two championships back, uh, shoot. It's been three years since I won one. So, uh, it, it's time we've been, We've been playing uh, Bridesmaids, Jim Halsey, so uh, we've got to try to get on that. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, um, well, you guys have been duking it out for sure, but you've got the whole crew right now, so you've got, uh, you got the whole family to, to kind of um, get to the track and do all that, so I mean, does that, um, I don't know, distract you a little bit, or not distract, that's probably not the right word, but, uh, but you've got a, you got a whole race team to worry about as well.
2: We do, we do. And I, and uh, it it is busy at times, there's no doubt. You know, uh, myself running, my daughter is uh, Amber. She's running the Pro 632 class this year. She uh, came out for the last two races of last year just to kind of get her feet wet in the category. And then we've been running it uh, this year, of course. Uh, my youngest daughter, um, Ashley, she runs the Pro Junior class. And then my daughter's boyfriend, Blake, he uh, runs Top Dragster. So we're just uh, – there's always – we're chasing cars around the racetrack all day long. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that adds everyone's doing good and winning. It gets crazy. You know, last year at Galat, uh, myself and Amber both found – we found our – you know, both of ourselves, you know, deep into the rounds, into the finals. Amber – uh, sorry, Ashley was in the semis and – the junior and Blake was in the semis in the, uh, top dragster. So I can tell you when it gets down to, uh, round Robin, like that, as the rounds get closer, it, uh, it definitely, uh, becomes a run. There's no doubt.
0: <laughs> but that, that's a good day though. It ends up being a good day, right? If you're really hustling at the end of the night.
2: It does. It is. It's one of those things, you know, that you love it. You, uh, you live for that. You know what I mean? It's, uh, we've, we've tried for years to, uh, one of us to you know double up to where, or two of us to be able to double up and win both of our classes, and we haven't quite got there yet. It's uh, I think I've usually screwed it up most of the time, but we're uh, you know in the semis or the finals or something, and uh, you know it's just we're, we're we're reaching for that day, but we'll get there eventually.
0: Well, I think the the good news for you is that you've created such a great series that the competition is unbelievable. So to do that is, is an enormous challenge, but also would be, would be a fantastic victory if you could double up as a family.
2: There's no doubt. And I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't ever look at it. Something that we create. I mean, the racers is what creates this. It's a, uh, we have, you know, what I just honestly feel like the toughest group of racers out there. And, you know, to be able to race at this level. I mean, that's huge, you know. So I'll speak from a racer standpoint. To be able to race alongside the guys I race alongside of and Pro Nitrous and Pro Boost, to be at that level, that's huge. And then, you know, it, it goes right down into every class that we have, um, right down to our junior directors and bracket bash. I mean, it is just a tough, tough field. And when you win, you've done something. There's no doubt.
0: Yeah, that's uh... – there, I mean, that's an understatement to say if you win win the PDRA, you've done it against the best competition. But is that kind of what you set out for initially with that thing, or what was the what was the origination of that, and you know what is kind of the what, what's the next steps with it?
2: Yeah, I think the uh, you know the goal when we set out was to create a really good place for racers to come compete. You know, and and uh, we wanted to we wanted to go to good racetracks. We wanted to go to uh, safe racetracks we wanted to have good safety there um as you know most, you know a lot of these guys come out and they race and they race with their families and you know you want everybody you want to at least know that you did everything you could do to to keep everybody safe and um and do the part and you know that's, that's what we set out for and i think that you know exactly what happened was people they chased that you know because that, that's what they want you know what i mean so we uh we set out for that and then people, it just evolved from there. And, uh, you know, and our bracket racing is as strong as our pro mods are. And, and, you know, at the first race of the year, we had, I believe 44 pro mods and we had, um, 16 or 17 pro stocks. And then we had pro 632, we had pro street. Um, but then when you get into brackets, you know, there was over a hundred, uh, bracket cars. And I want to say it was 120 ish, 130 almost. And fast bracket cars, you know, that are legit, really good cars that are out here competing. So, um, I think that when you have good company, good company shows up, you know what I mean? And that, that's what's happened. It's grown. People want to be there. People want to race um, at what they feel like is a high level. And and I can say that because I'm speaking about my other racers, you know what I mean? I'm speaking about all the racers that we race with and that race uh, with the PDRA. They're they're the you know top of the shelf. So I, I'm proud of everything that they do, and and glad to see it. And I'm just always proud of what they do.
0: Yeah, as well you should be. I mean, to get 44 pro mods on a, on one property is amazing. And then like you said, the 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 bracket classes are phenomenal. I mean, I I don't know what it was. It was a 390 something. I should know this, but 390 something to qualify in uh, top elite top sportsman. I mean. <laughs> Who would Who would have thought that several years ago, right? I mean the the those cars are just fantastic, and it's getting better and better every weekend. Um, and you guys are going to some great tracks as well. I mean, I think that helps.
2: Yep, it does, and I think that's the thing is uh, you You touched on something that these guys are going three nineties, and it's not like it's a mess. It's a good, smooth show that these guys are. You know that that is easy for them to do it the risk level is not going up. And I'll, I'll just give it to these, you know, top dragster, top sportsman, all of them, the bracket race, we all know what it takes. You know I mean? You're driving both ends of the racetrack. And I've always said that uh, a, a top sportsman guy or top dragster guy, they're a better driver than, than most any racer out there because they are driving two ends of the racetrack or, or mm-hmm. you know, really all ends of the racetrack. Right. But it's amazing uh, what they do and, you know, tightening up racing and having packages that are, you know, double O packages to uh take wind lights is is just unreal.
0: Yeah, I it, it uh it is fascinating. I would mean, sit here every weekend and just in awe of looking at these guys and and um but there's no shortage of people that want to show up and do that. I mean what did you have? You had uh almost sixty cars in, in both sides of the bracket um last time out and I would guess that you're gonna have just as many uh come bowling green next weekend.
2: Yep, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, I, I know that uh, Top Sportsman, I want to say, was just shy of 60. And I want to say, and I'm pulling it up now, just to check, but I'm pretty sure that uh, Top uh, drag or, sorry, top Sportsman was just the same. It was, yeah, just just crazy amount of cars. And that's the thing is, you know, yeah, there's cars that uh, don't make it. Yes, yeah, so there was 53 in Top Sportsman. Um, and I want to say top Dragster was right at sixty as well, so there's no doubt
0: yeah the the phrase that kind of gets thrown around a lot is the um old i h r a days is uh were you a part of that um racing is that uh, a feel that you were trying to get to or just did that happen organically?
2: Yeah, I think that um well, so I think that was that was what we all set out to want, you know what I mean because those were some good days. I did race some, um, top sportsmen in those days. And then I ran some Mount motor pro stock in those days. So I do think that, uh, whether we set out and, and build a, I, I can't sit here and say that we built the recipe for it. I think the recipe is that there are a lot of quality racers out there that make that environment. And that's what's happened here. You give them a place to showcase and that's what they've done is they've come out, they showcase what they are, um, but I can tell you that the vibe in the pit and the vibe in the staging lane is so good. The camaraderie is so good. People just can't wait to get back to the racetrack to see their people again. You know what I mean? It's just, and, and, and I'm not saying it's a party, you know what I mean? Cause it's nothing like that. It's just, there's, you know, it's, it's like you're at a campground. There's just good, good camping going on with a good bunch of people with some entertainment on the racetrack, you know, and it's, uh, it's just a really, really good feel with everybody, and it's it's amazing. Uh, you hear it from everybody, you know, and it, it's just you talk to everybody there, and, and that's what they love. It's a, it's a PDA family, and we always say it. It's a PDA family, and that's uh, that's something that we did probably set out to do is to to create a good culture from that, um, you know, and, and that's just only only thing we can do is lead with that, and if we lead with a good culture and people falling behind it, and that's great and that's what's happened here there's just a lot of good people that's created uh something that is just uh it's unreal and I'm I'm proud to be a part of it
0: I love it I, I love it I mean I can't wait I'm going to get over to Bowling Green myself just to check it out and um you know every time I do I it's just fantastic racing. So, I mean, it's, it's great to be there and I'm, uh, someday, well, someday we'll get out there and load them up myself, but, uh, tell us a little bit about your car. Cause, uh, I always like to get, you know, some tech specs on, on your car and maybe what you've done over the winter to try to, you know, get that third championship.
2: Yep. So we have, uh, it's a 1969 Camaro, Jerry Bickle chassis, Pat Musi, uh, racing engines. Um, we just, uh, swapped and put a Liberty in over the winter, just, uh, changing up our okay. transmission package, trying to, uh, you know, help that side of it out and, uh, more from a durability standpoint, but it's been a great product and just, uh, really love what we have there. Um, so far that's been good and just trying to get a handle on it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, these cars are, uh, they're, they're, you know, we're, we're taking them to the limits to go, you know, I think jim halsey went 365 zero and i went 365 four and that fourth foul was uh, you know that was huge <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> right uh, but yeah that's what we shoot for
0: and have uh, and i'm guessing that's a 959 at this point right and um
2: it, it is yes 959 um six stages of nitrous um it, that's the other thing you talk about on these things is the fact of the durability of these engines and and what as hard as we are on them and they just they just, they roll, they do good. You know what I mean? They really do.
0: Have you always been a nitrous guy or have you ever played around with blowers and turbos and all the other stuff?
2: I've actually, I was a big naturally aspirated guy. And then when I got out of that and went into the pro nitrous, that's, that's kind of, that's it. I have, I'm not a big <laughs> uh, blower or turbocharger guy, but they're impressive. You know, there's no doubt. They make a lot of good power and the the pro boost class that we have, is very uh very very competitive and um you know for me pro Nitrous works for me because you know it, it's hard racing in a series that you that you own and um one of the great things about pro Nitrous is the fact that because we're separate uh i don't i don't have to race the rule book right i'm right. racing cars that are like my cars they're all you know same weight same cubic inch same everything and it's really just a tuning-slash-driving game, and that's that's what you do, you know what I mean? So that works really well for me. That's why uh, I'm glad we're not a combined class. Um, yep. But I will say, you know, yep. at ProStars, we combine them, and then we have events like Shakedown and and other events that we run combined, and that's fun as well. But um, the pronitrous class is just exciting to me, and it, it takes that stress away from having to uh, worry about people questioning
0: rules and things like that yeah and man i tell you what i've said this on before that uh, i think whoever's trying to create a quality in pro mod on the nhra side has just got nightmarish issues right because uh man depending on what month it is and and where you're at it it's never going to quite be equal but if you separate them you got a lot better chance and especially on the eighth mile i think so yeah. that makes it really cool really cool from that standpoint um the other thing I gotta ask you is um your your paint job is kind of iconic at this point um how long have you had that and uh when did that kind of uh make an appearance?
2: oh well wow. so when I built the um the o g jungle rat, which is the one that my daughter um races currently sure uh, you know we we set out kind of uh Tyler Clark did the uh rendering of the car and we kind of Jeff Hopkins got it from uh, Bickle to paint, and we just kind of talked about it and kind of, hey, we put it together, and I it, just the the colors, the way that it popped, it was like, oh, my gosh. It was perfect. You know what I mean? It was, it was never a, you know, these are the colors I have to have. I'm a purple guy or a green guy or anything like that. It was never that. It's just they, they worked, and the car just come out, and it, uh, it popped, and, yeah, now it's become, it's like, oh, my gosh, how do we, you know, when I changed from my uh, the OG car to this car, we flip-flopped the colors in the scheme. Kept all the same colors, um, and now I'm kind of like, hey, what are we gonna do if we get another new car? You know, <laughs> how do we do this? Because I do love it. And I don't. I don't really want to change um, from where we're at. But uh, I, uh, it is. It's it's known. It's um, people love it. The colors are just they, they look good and everything. And it really looks good in pictures and, and does a great job of it. But uh, you'd have to give most of that to Jeff Hoskins for uh, laying it all out
0: the way you did. I love it. Yeah, that's that's great stuff. Um, all right. Well, hey, I know you are incredibly busy this time of year, and um, the whole crew in the series um, packs up and goes to Bowling Green next weekend. Um, so I, we wish you well. Um, all the Fast Brackets Nation uh, wishes you well on that. And, um, you know, I really appreciate you for putting on the, the association, the show that you do because – man, it lets all of, uh, our guys and girls, um, you know, show what they got and let it rip.
2: Yep. I love it. And I mean, I'm telling you, Art, the sports racers are just as important part to, uh, our program as the pro racers are. And, and I think that's what helps us is, is they all feel that we all put them, we put them all on the same stage and, you know, we're, we're going to continue to try to elevate that and make this, make it better for them. And, and what helps that from everybody out there is just participation and coming out to watch us and seeing us, and those are how that's how we grow and put everything right back into the series and and let this thing just continue to evolve. And it's it's done a uh, great job of that. And uh, you know we all want things faster than we can always get them, but it's doing a great job with it. And we're going to continue to push down that road. Yeah, that's
0: that's fantastic stuff. Well, thank you again, Tommy. Uh, appreciate you coming on, and good luck. Uh, with the rest of the season. Guys, girls, that was the great Tommy Franklin. As we hit the mile per hour cone, we have to talk about the KN Spring Fling Million presented by Optima Batteries out there in Vegas this past weekend. Man, um, you know this event is getting just uh, really prestigious. I mean, it's been prestigious, but I mean, it's just it's just an awesome job that uh, Peter Biondo and the late great Kyle Seipel created and continue to run. It's uh, man, it's uh, it's a pretty amazing event, and I love the fact that timing is good. So it got all the top dragster field full out in the Vegas divisional the week before. That was good. Uh, but Kevin Brandon, man, he wins the Spring Spring Million out in Vegas, and it's phenomenal. The packages that those dudes are putting together is is pretty amazing. I mean, I think you know, uh, just it gets better and better, tighter and tighter every year. And and man, for uh, Kevin Brandon to get it done again. Is is just amazing. Uh the fact that he's won two of those million dollar events. And I think the take home was roughly two hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars for his work on that uh Friday night. But uh but man, uh, to do it twice against the competition level is uh, pretty amazing, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure how those guys do it. To be honest with you, but it is it is pretty fantastic. Uh, Kyle, uh, to his credit, dedicated to win to Kyle, or I should say Kevin, uh, to his credit, should dedicated to win to Kyle Seipel, um, and then you know also Bob Unkifer, Um who recently passed away as well, and uh, very sad that uh, we've lost both of those two great men. Uh, but uh, good for him. Uh, Kevin Brannan gets the big check. He gets the Vegas Showgirls. He gets the limousine, the the uh, penthouse suite for the night. Man, um, good for all those guys, and uh, congrats to Kevin Brannan for getting that win in the Spring Fling Million. <laughs> All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 96. There it is. There's the wind light. And a little bit, what? What is this, Chris Myers? Of course, of course. You're giving us Welcome to the Jungle to start off the PDRA season. I like it. Producer Chris, absolutely killing it. Absolutely killing it. So good. So good. All right. We had great guests on, didn't we, this week? We had Mo Trujillo. He is a standout. Division 6 and Division 7 competitor. And then we had Tommy Franklin coming on, talking PDRA, Pro Nitrous, all the good stuff. Guys, girls, if you have comments, questions, or curse words for me, bring it at me. It's all cool with me. Uh, But uh, do this. You know you can get at the show three different ways. You can hit us up on the Facebook Messenger you can find me probably cleaning my shop because uh it's been an absolute mess and it's time to get that thing back in order and then also you can use the email fast brackets at outlook.com guys girls i hope you enjoyed it keep the rubber side down and travel safe
2: great episode um just kind of feel like you know sometimes we talk about you know one of the greatest things about drag racing is you just get to hang out with some good dudes sometimes right um this week just felt that way it's the best part of drag racing to just know that some people got your back and and we all can work together and and enjoy this sport you know
0: i think it's a great point chris um and mo and tommy are two of the great ones I had a blast talking to those dudes. But, you know, you heard it in um, the Out of the Groove segment. Tommy Franklin talked about it. He's like, it's not necessarily a party, but it is a good group. Uh, when When you go to the pits, man, everybody gets along. It's a family. It is, you know, everybody's working for the same direction. And that is a big deal. That is a big deal. And if you, you know, if you need help, you know you can count on those people, which is, really what it's all about in life isn't it man finding finding the people that you can count on and then just hanging and and then just making
2: sure they succeed as well sometimes that's the only way to get through this jungle how about that i love it
0: of the Fast Brackets Podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing.